All right, we're live with no countdown. <laughs> you, want to, you want me to do it right now? Uh, no, <laughs> whatever. No countdown, no dramatic effect. We're just rolling with it. Um, so, hello, everyone. This is the host and the rest of All's ATB crew with Brando, Alex, and crew. Sorry for the minor technical difficulties. Um, as a reminder, we have our first like in-person live show Friday, August 19th, 7, 8, 30 p.m. Eastern time at Skybox. That will be uh, posted live to Twitter as well, but we want as many people to come out as possible. It's going to be awesome. Troy Fleming, Juice Davis, they're going to be joining us, and we're going to be giving a run-through of the whole season, giving our takes. And then if you guys have been watching, we're going to do the a punishment for one of us four. And so we've asked you guys to send us ideas. We're kind of keeping a running list. So we're going to put out another tweet after the show tonight. We want all of your punishment ideas. We are definitely going to do that, follow through with it. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that'll be a bunch of fun for us. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's kick it off with something fun. 29 days until we are in Neyland. And re uh, breaking the season ticket record with 16,781 season tickets sold. The goal was mm -hmm. originally 10,000. I think we should just go around and talk about like how big a deal that is leading into this season. No, yeah, I know uh, last year kind of people had their kind of worries of year one under Josh Heupel after the Pruitt Hole tenure there. No one really like bought in. Danny White knew brand new AD, the whole long coaching search. Then just to bring in Josh Heupel, everyone was like, what in the world's going on? Then we kind of see the offense and what he kind of was bringing here and everyone started buying in. And I think, you know, last year, you know, with all the penalties and the fake injuries and everything else that didn't go our way, there was a lot of good. And it's showing in the ticket uh, the numbers that were released today, seeing everyone buy in year two under Heupel. I think uh, to, you know, exceed the goal by, you know, multiple thousands like that. And, you know, also with the renovations going on and everything else, the product on the field, the recruiting, even with all the looming and bad stuff that was going on on the field, off the field that was left around uh, this new administration with the coaches and the AD that came in and cleaned it up and they have a, you know, sitting really nice. I think Tennessee's in a great spot. That's huge to have that many people buying in. And from the looks of it, it's been a lot of like youthful guys, people like young buying into Tennessee probably for the first time. So getting that exposure out there to a brand uh, already starting off strong in the NIL of having guys like Nico, that's going to get people to buy in. And I think it's a really good to, uh, start. So Drew. Okay. I was waiting for Alex there, but yeah, no, I mean, I agree with about everything Brando said, you know, I think it really just speaks volumes into, I mean, just the steps and the progress that Hypel has had under this, with this program in literally less than two years. I mean, you're talking about a year ago, his season opener, I mean, only had 80,000 people that showed up and I was there, but I mean, empty seats literally all over the place. And now, I mean, you're talking about, I think they said, over 85,000 tickets have been sold for a Thursday night, which is insane. 16,000 first-time sellers for season tickets, which their goal was only was 10,000, which is unbelievable. And, I mean, this is probably the most hype that the program has had, you know, probably since 2016, quite honestly. And so there's a lot of good momentum for this program, for Josh Heupel, for Danny White, and it's definitely pretty for that with the season ticket sales. So it makes sense. I mean, this is going to be a really, really fun football season. Yeah, it's been kind of tough when when we hired Hopple and we can prove it that everybody was coming up saying the whole like, oh, y'all should have stuck with Shiano. Like y'all thought you knew better, but you really didn't. Whatever. OK, but going three and seven, then having the season that we had last year, one, well, like one or two plays away from having a different record than we had, a, a better record than we had. Um, and then we obviously we pulled uh, Danny White in the offseason as well, hiring him as our AD. I think it just shows like where we're headed like we've been on an upward trajectory this entire time and i know when we also like when we hired danny white we didn't know what that meant but we knew that we were getting somebody good but then when we when we surpass our season tickets from last season but we also like beat our own goals that we made for this season and like y'all said we set a first time buyer record of seventeen thousand. i think that just speaks volumes to what we're doing not only in football but also in our, in our athletic department and i mean we're just showing positives all around so just Still a good time to be involved. Well, all of you guys made great points, but and we have to give credit to Danny White where it's due. I mean, 
I remember a bunch of people complaining about the ticket uh, alterations and donation changes mm -hmm. and all that. And here we are setting a record because Danny White did know what he was doing and we upgraded the stadium. You're going to have to make changes to the, to the ticket prices. There's just no way around it. Um, I did fair out lucky with that. I've been a season ticket holder for the past five seasons. It hasn't been too pretty most of the time, but I've still wrote it out. And I actually got a discount, so I feel like that was in good faith for me, writing it out all of these previous seasons and paying for that. Um, but I know some other people, their prices got jacked up, but again, that's just the way it goes, um, unfortunately. But yeah, it's 29 days. I'm freaking stoked, under a month. Just absolutely awesome. Um, I guess the next thing we're going to talk about is Lynn J coming in and officially committing to us. I'm sure Brenda has quite a bit to say about that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I was trying to make sure my mic was working because it kind of like cut out there for a bit. But yeah, obviously the addition, the news came out the first day of practice. Uh, bad news, Tennessee losing beneath Whitehead. Uh, torn peck, it sounds like. Upper uh, upper chest injury. That's obviously terrible. We don't really have many big backs. You know, losing Tyon Evans was really the only kind of pass pro back we had last year. Uh, to see the news that Lynn J. Dixon was coming in and probably getting an official visit, and then in like the next two days, uh, today, this morning at like eight in the morning, committed to Tennessee. Originally committed to Tennessee way back before he committed to Clemson, and then went to Clemson instead. But to see him kind of show up to Tennessee, obviously a much needed death piece after that injury. Now you kind of got Jabari Small. Uh, Jalen Wright and I think Lynn J and then you can kind of let the freshmen kind of take a breather uh, to have those guys come in if you had to like allow on Justin Williams Thomas to be a pass pro back in the first half of his freshman year and just throw him out there into the SEC competition I think they were kind of kind of scared of that part but to get a guy like Lynn J Dixon uh, 200 pounds has gained weight really good experience in the ACC you gotta remember this guy was playing behind an ETN both the ETN brothers didn't really see a lot of time but in the time they did in those 30 games, uh, over 1,400 rushing guards. When you look at his highlight tape, this guy is shifty, fits the offense well. And if you see him anywhere Heupel's been, I've talked about it multiple times on like, multiple shows, uh, he gives the running back split carries. Like you're obviously going to see multiple guys in that 50 to 40 uh, carry range. So I fully expect Lynn J. Dixon coming in, a huge late addition when practice just started two days ago. So. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy to say, but we've actually managed to upgrade this position one day into fall camp already. And, you know, and you know, best of wishes and luck to Linda Whitehead. I mean, you know, Torn Peck, that's that's tough. I mean, you know, hopefully everything goes well with that recovery. But guys, I mean, we got a massive improvement from from Whitehead. I mean, you know, not like Brando mentioned, you know, over fourteen hundred rushing yards, thirteen touchdowns. You know, at Clemson in the four years that he played there. Still has two years of eligibility left, so you know, very high possibility that after Jabari Small goes that, you know, that he will wind up being the starter next year. Uh, I mean, I think this is a massive improvement. You know, I think this is a guy literally right away that he is easily the number two running back once he steps in mm -hmm. on the field. And, you know, it really wouldn't surprise me in the slightest where he might wind up getting most of the reps at the running back position, um, even over Jabari Small. And, you know, a lot of people worried about because, you know, when you have a lot of these guys that transfer from these bigger programs like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, you know, and they go to places like Tennessee or smaller programs, you know, you get a little hesitant, like, why do they leave there? I mean, this is a guy that, like, literally, you know, I mean, if, if he wasn't behind Travis Etienne, who was one of the best running backs in the country for three years, he would mm -hmm. wind up in their starter and probably have over 20, 25 rushing touchdowns. So it's very rare to, like, upgrade your position in the portal after the season. It's even, even more rare to upgrade with less than 30 days for the season over. So this was a huge get for Heupel and for Tennessee. Yeah, Brando, like you said, that was a super quick turnaround. It was like his name was floated out there like, oh, he might be he might be linked to us, and then he's already committing. So that was great. That was definitely a good addition uh, in the depth for the backfield. But then also I was watching some of his tape, um, and what really impressed me most is that he has really good vision out of the backfield. Um, he definitely, like, waits for plays to develop, and he, he follows his lead blocks really, really well. Um, but he, he always seemed to, like, hit the seam and hit the hole. Um, he also was uh, has a really good ability to make the first person miss. Um, a lot of people like shed off of him on his first tackles, and that's really the only time he gets tackled is when somebody's holding him up for that second and third tackler to get there. Uh, but 
I guess if, if I just want to throw out like one weakness is like breakaway speed. He he is like reported like a four, like five and a half or four, six. But even then, like people still weren't catching him. So like, I guess you could be slow, whatever, but it didn't look like it on tape, honestly. Um, but then also like with Whitehead going down, I, I'm still kind of interested to see if we can work in Dylan Sampson in the backfield into the rotation a little bit. Because remember, he was still a four-star recruit who ran for 1,300 yards, 9.8 yards a carry, and 22 touchdowns his senior season. Um, he also has a career high of 287 yards in one game. So, I mean, it is still like next man up mentality, but like the ones that we got up next seem pretty good. Well, that's an interesting comment you made, Alex, about his breakaway speed because I watched some of his tapes too, and he looked wicked fast on tape. So it's almost like he's a he's favors Jawan Jennings in that respect, where no one was going to catch that fucking guy, but they still may not read the same. Like I remember everyone was talking about Jawan's draft speed, and then out of nowhere, it doesn't matter anyways because they're still not catching him. So I guess that would make sense for Lin Jay, but I'm not worried at all. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal get. And also on top of that, I mean, Justin Williams Thomas, I still think is going to be a huge impact at this position as well. So we have a ton of good guys. And like Drew said, we did upgrade the position. Obviously we'd never want to go in with an injury and we hope that his whitehead's recovery goes well but then also that just gives me more and more confidence in this staff where they're like oh shit one of our main guys can't went down let's jump right back into the portal and make this feel like now and it happens i mean it's just kind of incredible to see stuff happen like that in the course of just a couple days yeah well i think i think it was no secret that the last two or three weeks that tennessee was going to try to land a transfer running back obviously way back with ramon jefferson having the uh the admission problems there (laughs) He ended up to Kentucky, uh, Tennessee lately, uh, swung on Marquis Stepp and uh, Kobe Lewis from Central Michigan. So two guys that obviously Tennessee was looking at the bigger back. They kind of luck out. They get a late guy like Lynn J. Dixon, who's, uh, you know, he's been at West Virginia right now. I decided to pull a late transfer, come back and go from West Virginia to Tennessee before really going deep. I don't think he went through spring there, actually. I think he kind of just showed up after their spring, was going to go in the fall camp. And now has made a move, quick move back to Tennessee. But I think it does obviously help the room. I fully expect him to be uh, uses shiftiness in the SEC. When I watched his highlights, most of it was out of the shotgun. And uh, with us, how how fast we play and lining up in the shotgun, you know, 99% of the time, I think of him getting the gaps like he was in those Clemson highlights, even though it was ACC talent. He was doing that against first-string defenses, even though they were up 28-0 whenever ETN and them weren't playing. This guy was still doing it against first-team ACC defenses. And if he gets the, you know, the keys to, you know, run loose with Jabari Small and Jalen Wright kind of splits it there with him, I fully, like, I think that he has that kind of edge over uh, Jalen Wright just because of having that pass pro ability. How many times last year when Tyon Evans got hurt did we see Hendon Hooker get demolished because Jalen Wright was, you know, too young or too early of a freshman of not playing football for the past two years and couldn't kind of handle it on his own. So having that extra body back there, kind of taking the pressure off the freshman to have, like, them play early. There's a lot of early enrollees at different positions from 2022 that are kind of expected to play early. And I, I mean, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It shows that, you know, this staff is coming in early and can uh, obviously see talent and, you know, recruit talent, but also like to not have that depth of, you know, still wanting to compete with the big guys like Georgia and Alabama is still a negative, but all in all, I think it's a great addition and fall practice is finally here. I'm hyped 30 days away, less than 30 days away, 29 now. I've seen the countdowns get started, so fully excited. Now, and even just to add to more of Brando's point, you know, I mean, the running back position is honestly, as far as depth goes, is the most important position because if you need at least two or three guys on there mm-hmm. that can be able to play and maintain at the same level that your starters do on everywhere else on offense. So, and we saw that last year tremendously, you know, Jabari Small and Tyon Evans both being banged up and then being reliant on, you know, Jalen Ryan and Lennox Whitehead, which, you know, which was good for both of them to be able to get those reps that they needed. But, you know, I think a lot of people are a little bit concerned from this, you know, to an extent of us adding Dixon, like, well, this may cut away Justin William Thomas's playing time. I don't really think that's necessarily the case. I think this team, I think honestly, Heifel is going to have to play at least three or four running backs almost every single game, you know, and especially play at least five in those blowout games as well. So much needed depth experience from power five conference which i think is huge i think that's the one thing that he has as opposed to ramon jefferson is the fact that he played in big time football 
And that's going to be a huge takeaway for, like, you know, the freshman of Dylan Sampson and Justin Williams as well to go from there. Yeah, just to echo y'all's point again, like I was worried about losing Evans, especially after his kind of coming out party against Mizzou where he made their defense look like Swiss cheese. But uh, pulling Lynn J. Dixon just only gives uh, Rock more time to develop, Samson more time to develop, and Williams Thomas more time to develop. And again, like y'all said, he's an experienced back. He's done this before. He's been there. He's played in the big games. And that's that experience is invaluable. So bringing him in is only going to help improve our running back room. Um, speaking on Lynn J. Further, one of our listeners in the comments at Tennessee underscore topic they asked, what is the eligibility looking like on Lynn Jay, and is he available to go on week one? My boy, Tennessee Topic. Yeah, I know, Caleb. Uh, yeah, so Tennessee to- – or not Tennessee Topic. Lynn Jay Dixon, uh, he has two years of eligibility left. I think he's, he played four years at Clemson, but like we said, he played behind the ETN brothers and then multiple talent. Uh, obviously, was kind of bitter that he didn't get his kind of time to shine, waiting the process out there at Clemson with Dabo and trusting the process or whatever over there at Clemson. So – off the field stuff coming to Tennessee it has two years left. I think because he got here before fall uh, practice that uh, his time at West Virginia doesn't really matter. He just kind of pulled his name out with the whole COVID stuff. He still has his COVID year to play also. So this year, and if he wants to come back next year, two years of eligibility, uh, I think he's going to be practicing tomorrow, full pads, ready to go. He showed up today on a campus right after he committed, got his, all of his family in town. So I think he's kind of all bought in. And I like that though. Like with like Brew McCoy, Lynn J. Dixon, these guys that the, the staff goes and gets from other, you know, power five schools, they come in and they might have not had like the greener grass in their first half of their career in their college career, but guys like that and Joe Milton that are coming and trusting the process, playing their last two to three years under Josh Heupel and seeing that he has a vision for them and to get them to the league. I think that's just going to show his turnaround for years to come and obviously help in recruiting of seeing that, hey, he's taking, you know, two or three years. What can you do with me in four? And that's going to be a big, big point for this offense and this whole team in general. So really big. Also, with that um, further, you mentioned Drew McCoy real quick. Is there any updates on his status at all? Uh, The last I heard is that obviously last week we said it's like nothing major, but obviously still a bump in the road. And the bump in the road this far from the season is kind of concerning. Uh, The reports kind of still, I think, from Austin Price is that uh, to still not really be concerned until unless it's like August 20th and there's no word yet from the SEC and the NCAA. Obviously, the allegations at USC were, you know, pretty serious, but his name's been cleared in the court of law and now I'm kind of going through that full NCAA process. There's no reason this kid shouldn't be eligible. We saw what the NCAA has done with multiple guys though, like Cade Mays, uh, Dominic Bailey, and uh, multiple guys that one transfer we had from Michigan way back that was in the D-line. Like, they take their time when it comes to Tennessee. And if it was an Alabama or a Georgia player, they're getting cleared. But, you know, I fully expect there shouldn't be any reason he shouldn't be cleared. Obviously, nothing to concern. He's out there practicing with the team right now. I don't know if y'all saw it the last two days. There's kind of been like the the brew hype, and every time he's going to catch a ball, it's going to probably be like a brew chant in kneeling. I'm kind of hyped for that. But he looks good, man. The, the guy looks physical. He looks every part of what it's said to be, like 6'4", 225. Obviously, could play linebacker. Kid's a freak athlete. There's no there's a reason or, uh, he was ranked the number one athlete in the 2019 class, and he needs to have a successful and be a good addition here for Tennessee to be successful in offense this year. Like he has to live up to the hype in my opinion. So that's going to be a huge part too, but there should be a uh, good news coming soon for that. So. For sure. Drew, you got anything to add? I got nothing to add after that. So that was perfect uh, for Brando. That was a perfect. Was Brando. I guess Alex is MIA. He is awesome. Like every week. <laughs> Shocking. Sorry, the lot keep cutting out in here. I'm trying to figure it out so it don't look like I'm just strolling. We know your house possesses them. I know it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you have anything to comment about <laughs> eligibility? Oh, no. I was actually, before you asked that, Lo, I was actually going to ask it since he was bringing up eligibility and brew, but that does kind of lead into our, our next little bit, don't it? About performers in early practice? Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have an order lined up for today. I was just rolling with it. So right on in. I love uh, how Josh Heupel does it, though, because, like, he's, like, a guy that believes in early practices. So when it's, like, 8 or 9 a.m. and I'm waking up, that's when the practice notes are dropping. You're seeing all the highlights drop from practice and all the, like, Sports Illustrated or Austin Prices, everyone's at practice. I love to kind of just, like, wake up and see that, knowing the countdown of how far or how close it is. 
So it's like only 29 days and seeing all the guys out there after like an early spring and like year two in the system. And then the newcomers kind of like being, you know, having leaders from guys in year one of Hypo of knowing how it's supposed to go and how it's supposed to roll and seeing that kind of leadership and everyone, you know, just clicking right now. It's been pretty nice to see. Like I haven't seen any kind of complaints from the first two days of practice. Everyone is kind of shining. Uh, obviously all the freshmen upcoming, there's a ton of freshmen that you can think about like scroll, right. Uh, apparently he's been out there burning guys, wide receiver that we picked up that Georgia wanted bad, a huge win last year. He's going to be in the slot, probably early freshman, uh, multiple guy like Brew McCoy, obviously out there. I said was shining all the highlights. I said that he has the body and the capability of playing. And if he can be successful, that'll be huge for Tennessee on offense. Uh, you got the offensive tackle uh, position battle that everyone's kind of watching strong. Who's going to start there on the line with all the uh, guys that returned last year? Is it going to be Gerald Mincy at the Florida transfer? Or is it going to be Jeremiah Crawford, the Juco edition when uh, Hypo first came here? Uh, I had to keep in mind with Jeremiah Crawford, he's being like more experienced and kind of learning the SEC way. I didn't know when he came in year one last year and he was like kind of like a dud to everybody that he had just came off a whole Juco football season because it was in spring and their whole season got messed up because of COVID. Oh, so that guy right. just got done playing 13 games and then had to come in and play an SEC talent, body worn down. And now it's kind of fucking uh, getting this full go with the SEC flow and everything under year two. So that's definitely one to watch. Who's going to, you know, get on the line with Cade Mays and Spragans and Jerome Carvin and Darnell Wright, who's going to be that fifth man. And then it also sounds like a uh, shocking drew with the linebacker position. Uh, Jeremy Banks, obviously linebacker number one, uh, Juwan Mitchell, he might not be running with the first team at the linebacker position. It's been Aaron Beasley starting off. And then you have Juwan Mitchell running with Elijah Herring, the true freshman out of Riverdale from Murfreesboro. Apparently going to be getting the second string run over a guy like Solon Page, who's been there the last four or five years. What does that say about, you know, the linebacker position in a whole? And then also seeing a guy like Elijah Herring being at the top of that list already as a freshman. Like, that's kind of crazy. I think it has to be a little bit concerning, though, that Juwan is not running with the ones, and we still have Aaron Beasley at linebacker. No disrespect to Aaron Beasley, of course. I mean, guy was actually decent for us last year, but that is still very concerning. What's your take on this, though? Like, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on this, you know, because there's still a lot of speculation about Brew McCoy might not be eligible this year or not. Mm. What were your thoughts on B? I, mean, I have, like, this idea. I don't know if Hypo would actually do it, but if you have Jalen on the other side over there as your number two wide receiver and then Squirrel at the slot, it might be a bold move, but Squirrel has been burning everyone up on practice, not only in the spring, but even fall camp already. And from everything mm -hmm. I've heard is that he sounds like from a talent perspective, like probably our third, arguably, you know, third or fourth best wide receiver on the team. So I like that idea, Drew, because well, they, didn't they log him at 23.6 miles per hour? Yeah. Like that's insane. that's insane. Little freshman squirrel out in here. I fucking love that. So my idea to that, Drew, is that obviously like the word is that Tennessee's gonna expand the playbook, go four wide, whatnot. So the second man in line, in my opinion, that's been getting the first team reps, believe it or not, Brew McCoy has been running the second team or second string right now, the first two days of practice, like the huge transfer coming in, obviously has to earn his way at the top. The guy number one right now on the outside with uh, Cedric Tillman has been Ramel Keaton, the guy that's kind of was here with, you know, Harrison Bailey's old high school teammate, kind of silent. He's been building himself up like a whole Josh Palmer villain arc. And I think if this year's the year, and if Brew is not eligible, he, you know, only has to play, like, gets out a couple games to start the season, doesn't get there to, like, Florida or after Florida. The guy that's going to start off and probably impress a lot of people is Ramel Keaton. That guy on the outside uh, last year probably got overthrown a lot, but when he was, you know, the speed's not really there, but he's a solid receiver, man. Like, 6'4", you know, have that on the other side of Cedric Tillman, go up there and get a 50-50 ball, and then you put Jalen uh, Hyde on one inside in the slot, the fourth guy, the fourth receiver on the other slot, Squirrel White. Have a, a tight end also there to go in the middle and Jacob Warren and Princeton fan to block, maybe run a route. That's going to be key. And if that can happen and kind of, you know, I think that it's kind of good to see the wide receiver position and with the running back and say, hey, there's a few guys that maybe they're not proven, but these freshmen are already balling out. And to have a guy like Squirrel White, that speed, and, you know, he might be undersized right now, but I think he can take an SEC hit. That kid's tough. And he's going to go out there and ball for sure. I think definitely Tennessee's trying to find a way to get uh, Squirrel involved year one. And you can say that about a lot of guys, man, offensively and defensively. I don't know if y'all saw, but there was the one about uh, James Pierce, the def uh, the on three yeah. five starting in 2023 or 2022 class that just came in. 
Uh, that kid has been tearing it up. There's apparently like thoughts that he could be getting involved on third down, uh, edge rushes to get, you know, get off the field, which Tennessee struggled a lot in last year, having Tyler Barron and then uh, Byron Young, obviously on side to side, Roman Harrison. And then you have the new two freshmen, James Pierce and Joshua Joseph. If those two guys can make an impact on third down, get Tennessee off the field, get the offense back on there and rolling. And, you know, maybe, you know, all it takes is one or two drives, the defense not scoring and Tennessee scoring for us to win a ball game. And that's what's going to matter. If we can get off the edge and, you know, cause pressure to allow our DBs to kind of breathe a little bit, I think that can help our defense a lot going into year two and make this team go from like an eight and four to nine and three, 10 and two possibilities. So. I think that's a huge thing from like last year, not just last year, but past other teams is that we have depth, like actual talented depth. And most key positions, like everywhere. The only position where I'm still concerned is the secondary. But I read a, I read a quote today from practice this morning about James Pierce, where I think they were doing an acceleration drill or a shuttle or something like that. He was mm-hmm. pissed off about the way he started off that drill. That literally right after he ended it, he sprinted straight back to the starting line mm-hmm. and like tried to do it again. And like Rodney Gardner was like in complete what disbelief. The fuck are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's the type of mentality, though, that we have been missing for years. Yeah. I mean, literally, if people were saying, like, I'm still going to go back in there and I'm still going to, like, get this right. I mean, when is the last time that we've had players like that? I mean, besides with a couple exceptions of, like, Jawan Jennings or whomever, but, like, as a collective unit as a whole, when is the last time we've had that had that type of attitude? It's been a long time, guys. It's probably been since the former days, quite honestly. Honestly, yeah, and just think about what he's doing, setting an example for all of his other teammates, you know, leading by example. That's huge. Like, okay, if he's working that hard, I'd best be working that hard too. I want to see the field. It That type of mentality is contagious. That is exactly what we need moving forward. Alex? Yeah, I mean, oh, I yeah, I was, I was just listening. Y'all was going around Robin. I was like, all right, I'm entertained. <laughs> No, no, no. I skipped it. That's why that's why it's so much fun to have somebody like Jawan on our team. And that's why that's why us as ball fans like just ate him up because he was that dog that always wanted to get better. He always wanted to prove that person wrong and he always wanted to be the one who set the example. And when you have players like that on your team, other players can only help to play that same way, to play with that same mentality. Because you're right, Drew. We did it felt like at a time we only had people on our team who wanted to be celebrities, but they didn't want to put in the work for it. And then there wasn't really much talent behind them to challenge them for it. So they didn't have any incentive to cover. But like y'all said, I mean, y'all y'all really killed that last point. My sole focus is on Squirrel White. Um, I'll talk about Jalen Hyatt for a little bit first. What my concern with was him was the drop balls and also his physicality. Every time he took a hit, it almost seemed like he was kind of getting banged up in those plays. Um, so that's why I would worry about him being in the slot if he got moved to the slot. But – uh, Jason Swain said that he looked bigger and he was about as healthy as he's ever been on Rocky Top, so that's only a plus for us. Uh, but Squirrel, man, getting clocked in at around 22 to 23 miles an hour. Um, I was looking at something. It was like on Bet MGMM or Bet MGM that said uh, the fastest recorded time for an NFL player this year was Jonathan Taylor at 22.13 miles an hour. So he's already touching it, like the fastest NFL speed. That's crazy. You have to get this man on the field. Like yeah, I mean, honestly, like it was twenty two point one three for him, and then another guy named Marquez Valdez Stantling, he was clocked at twenty two point oh nine, and then Patrick Certain or Certain was twenty two oh seven. So I mean, he beats those pretty easily. Can you um, imagine yeah. Squirrel like streaking down the field that wicked fast, like watching that? Oh, he's going to. That's the thing. You're like though. watching, like That's who like is that? Like, well, what is that running on the field? It's a damn blur. I fully <laughs> expect. Week one ball state game that Squirrel White is getting like a 50, 70 yard touchdown against. He's got to get just a go on the outside. Just I mean, please. With that speed, though, you got to have him on like on kickoffs. Like you got to have him as kickoff. I think Squirrel and Dylan Sampson would be the two deadliest combo on kickoff and punt returns. Squirrel obviously was clocked into twenty three point six, but I think Dylan Sampson said he clocked into like twenty two point eight or something like that. Absolutely ridiculous. A freshman running back, a guy that, you know, obviously broke Eddie Lacy's uh, Louisiana rushing record in, in fucking uh, Louisiana football. So as a senior, that's crazy. But if you had those two speedsters uh, back there, kind of like learning from the other guys, bro, that'd be stupid. I can just imagine those guys burning and getting like a block and going outside, repeating what Vellis did to South Alabama, where he almost did against uh, Ole Miss. Like, 
just having that speed on special teams and setting us up early to get those yards early, that would be huge to like already start at the 50 yard line. But obviously a uh, squirrel, the route running has been crazy. Brew McCoy, all of that, but Jalen Hyde, I wanted to give him a shout out before we moved on because that guy last year was playing at like 140 pounds at like six, two, which is super unhealthy, had no kind of diet whatsoever. He knew midway into the season about like the Vanderbilt game, got his mind kind of locked in. He's up to 186 now. Looks absolutely healthy. Looks way better than he ever has. Has some kind of definition on him now. And I fully expect that guy in the slot to line up there on the side of Cedric or Brew on the other side and just absolutely abuse defenses, not knowing which guy they should, you know, guard. Because when you go fast like that, and you saw it all last year, the hardest position to line up on the defense is, of opposing defenses is the DBs. Like, they could not keep up with us, no matter who it was, Alabama, Georgia. Like, there was drives where we are going to take advantage of that speed. And if you have Jalen Hyatt and Brew McCoy or Cedric Tillman, like, who are you going to guard and choose to guard and put both your men on? Probably Brew McCoy. If you have Jalen Hyde on the inside, stro- like streaking down the middle and the linebackers lost, that's an obvious touchdown. I can see that with Jalen Hyatt or Squirrel, no matter who it is. But the slot's going to be feasting with having those guys on the outside. That's going to be stupid. I guess you can really say that Tennessee is a school of speed because not only we have Squirrel White, who's the fastest college and, I guess, NFL player, but we also have Ben Joyce, who has the fastest fastball in college baseball and in the majors. So pretty yeah, cool to see. Point, Drew. That's a great point. And Tennessee speed, baby. But the thing, like, I give credit to Hype for the speed part for the football because before that, like, when he came in year one, obviously you had Bayless Jones, who was a speedster. But, like, to go fast, like, if, if he gets guys with actual speed, like Squirrel White, and he keeps doing that and producing class after class, of having that speed and bringing it to the SEC, then having the defense that comes off the edge and with the corners and kind of playing that fast approach and just, you know, baiting off turnovers like that, if he becomes successful like that and brings speed to the SEC, making us like an organ type, you know, prototype on a national stage with this straight speed, that would be stupid. I don't think teams can keep up. Like, I think it's going to eventually get to a spot where like Tennessee can run wild across the field with whoever they want at each position, tight end, whatever. Cause you got guys like Ethan Davis and Jonathan Eccles that run four fours too. And they're tight ends that are six, five, you know, two twenty five. Like it's going to be crazy. I just think the speed is coming is, stupid so i wanted to give a little credit to that but that was a great point i mean you're right i mean speed is huge if you can get a bunch of guys who are fast and train them up to learn the plays then you're already i mean you're already halfway there with the speed portion all they have to do is learn the plays they'll get oh, yeah them. just build your bodies and learn the game yeah yeah that's freaking awesome i know that we like are all obsessed with football so i'm gonna leave i'm gonna say one more thing I really liked Heupel's comment when he said this year is not about stats for Hendon. It's about Wentz. That is, I love that in year two, like leading into year two, he has the confidence and balls to say that. Obviously those two are on a tight page together. Um, I just think that shows to me that they, like Hendon must have been significantly improving in the off season. And obviously now for, Hypo to feel confident saying that and kind of putting that level of caliber and expectations on Hendon's shoulders. What do y'all think? Sure. Are you on mute? Okay. I um, mean, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Now, yeah. I mean, I think it's a coach that's like finally like in tone with the fan base, you know, and with most of college football for that matter. It's like he realizes that, you know, this team has the talent. And it's the expectation to win at least eight or nine games this year and win one of the big three, whether if it's Florida, Alabama, or Georgia. So, I mean, I think he knows that if, if we, you know, lay goose egg and go seven and five this year, that quite honestly, some folks are going to be pissed off about. I mean, and deservedly so. I mean, considering with the amount of talent that we have on offense, but it's just nice to see that we finally have a coach that is first competent. And second of all is actually like, you know, listening to the fan base and realize his own expectations. It was a complete nightmare under the Butch era where we had the talent to not only win the SEC East, but potentially even be a dark horse for college football. And, you know, he would come up with like the most ridiculous excuses, you know, about players having injuries, falling on their helmets or, you know, that there's a bunch of energy vampires in the room. And that's why, you know, they've lost their focus. Like, there's none of that nonsense That's anymore. Crazy. And I think it's just a breath of fresh air that we have a coach that, A, can speak an actual full sentence and, like, prove it, and, B, realizes what the expectation here is at Tennessee. 
Well, it's also good that he has confidence in a confident quarterback, like you were saying. Like, there was Pruitt's ride or die with JG. And, oh, I missed the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> Bull crap. Get that Peter, out of here. Peter, welcome yourself into the Vols ATV. Get that out. I do miss the YouTube comments. I, I love when people leave. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's a, a different detail to the show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, at least our coach has confidence in a quarterback that can actually play the quarterback position. Um, and he understands that he can play the quarterback position. But I'm actually going to switch to a different a different comment that's been made is that Hinnon is just like the the leader that we've been looking for, both like off the field and on the field, because I've seen all the reports that like him and Milton are still boys and they still they're still going and working out together. And it's not that Hinnon's like, yeah, I took your spot like your chump changed to me now. Like he still wants to work with him. He still wants to get better. And that's still just that lead by example mentality that you need from your players. Again, that like. Not, I'm a lead from the front, but I'm also going to hold myself accountable while holding others accountable. I'm going to hold us to that same standard collectively. And that's just what you need from your number one quarterback, that that number one dude. Um, he's He's been like the Grant Williams type, the Admiral Schofield type, but nothing but good publicity all around. And you just need that on your football team, especially from the quarterback position. So, No, I, I agree. I was going to say I, I agree because I wanted to point out like <laughs> – I'm sorry. I wanted to point out that, like, Hendon Hooker, obviously, he came under Jeremy Pruitt. And a lot of people, you know, they don't kind of realize that when we got into the season that he kind of bought into Tennessee at first of kind of seeing that leader opportunity, like, available. And then having a head coach like Josh Heupel come in. And after year one of kind of building what Tennessee and coming back and trusting him for a year two, I think this offseason, I agree that it has been kind of critical for that. All offseason, you kind of seen him preach his leadership, whether it was with Joe Milton or individually kind of doing things with Spire or going to the NASDAQ and kind of being that leader through NIL and kind of doing what he wanted to do, not kind of being that popular kind of quarterback, but still being like that responsible, respectful, and also doing his stuff at school and promoting the university for the best of that, seeing him heavily involved in everything athletics and, you know, whether it was Lady Vols or whatever during the offseason, he was showing up. But not that that was important. But to also see it kind of making that full effect on the team, like to even today I think it was Tyler Barron that was like quoted and he was like, uh, we're just kind of trying to do whatever, uh, seeing how everyone's kind of buying in for the collective goal, and that's to win every game. And seeing that they just want to go out there and be like one to know that one to know every week, saying is hella cliche. Everyone hates it, but to see them kind of buying in and you know saying, let's make less mistakes. You know, people are gonna throw objects at us about faking injuries and doing stuff to restrain us from playing our game. Let's go out there and do what we can to win every game, even if it's not you know, having 400 yards or 27 of 30 like he did in Kentucky last year in the coal mines and just having that spectacular game and having that ESPN game. I hot take, my opinion is that, yes, Hinton Hooker is going to be a leader and he's going to try to, you know, shallow his mistakes and do the best to win every game. But the trajectory of Josh Heupel year two, every school he's been, of drastically improving your accuracy percentage and touchdown numbers and having yards uh, increase – against competition, that same competition, I think that's going to continue to trend. I still think that growth is going to happen, like what you expect in a year or two process of a head coach, seeing that trajectory, Lane Kiffin, eight and four to 10 and two the next year, and making that leap. If you make that leap and do everything the right way and just have that mentality of buying in to what they're kind of throwing out there with the offense, that would be huge to have that kind of leadership. And I think that's going to make the difference of having a leap like that, of being that leader for the team. So it's really good to see that from Hooker. Absolutely. Does anyone else? I've I've could talk about football for hours because they're so freaking close. But does anyone else have anything like super specific they want to talk about on football? Because we're gonna go, we're gonna kind of switch gears a little bit if no one does. Uh, no, I just think watch the wide receiver Brew McCoy's eligibility for here to next week, and then obviously watch to see if there's ever a stride in that offensive uh, line position battle because. Mincy and uh, Crawford are kind of like neck and neck. It sounds like Dane De Davis is kind of fading over there. But to have that kind of offense locked in, I know all the hype tomorrow is going to be about seeing Lynn J. Dixon's first day in practice. So I'm sure we'll be excited to see that. And I'm just hyped to see all the videos as it counts down. So, Absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll switch gears and go into baseball a little bit. Um, as everyone knows, we landed Griffin Merritt, AAC Player of the Year. He is transferring to the balls for his baseball season and finishing out his baseball career with us. And I think Drew's going to give us – are you going to get rained on? Are you going to be able to do it? There's like some thundering happening here. So I hope so. Literally the worst Drew, Drew tell me about possible. this kid. 
Tell me about the well, Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, player of the year from the AAC, you know, batted 315, 19 home runs, 52 RBIs, seven stolen bases all of last year. Um, you know, huge improvement from his last couple seasons over there for the Bearcats. And I think the one good thing and huge thing about him is that he plays usually at right field, but he also has experience of playing at right, at right field as well and at first base and third base. So he's very, you know, he's very mobile. He can play in multiple positions. And I think that's going to be huge for us next year as we're going to replace a lot of those guys. Uh, I think we had over 12 players drafted last year in the draft alone. Um, third player drafted – or third transfer to come to Tennessee next to Mahia Huna from Kansas and Zane Denton from Alabama. So much-needed depth to replace a lot of talent. And obviously the offense is – I mean, let's just be real. It's not going to be as good as last year's, which was our, arguably the greatest offensive baseball team of all time. Nice. But – I think Vitello, as no surprise whatsoever, has done a pretty phenomenal job on in the portal and on the recruiting trail on trying to replace those key guys from last year. So, and I think a huge thing as well is you know Cannon Sewell returns for another year, which is kind of surprising considering, you know, he told guys, you know, told scouts from MLB that he doesn't want to be drafted, and that he already actually accepted a full time job since he already has a degree. But the mm-hmm. wild thing is that he's going to do that full time job and still play baseball at the same time next year. How he's going to do it, I have no idea. But fair, fair play, fair play to the kid though. But he adds, he has much needed debt from last year for this year's bullpen after us losing four guys last year, notably Ben Joyce and Blake Tidwell. Um, you know, last year, even though he plays a reliever, two point five ERA, zero point nine six WHIP. You know, walk hits per inning, which is pretty insanely low. I mean, that's like that's very rare. And, you know, just in general, he's gone 15-3 with a 2.53 ERA for the Vols in his career. So, he has that type of leadership role that we are desperately going to need next year. I think there's going to be some guys to step up, especially like Chase Dolander. But to have Sewell back and, you know, be able to have that type of senior seniority and leadership is going to be huge for this team. But, obviously, no one cares because football <laughs> is literally four weeks away. Um yeah. But I felt like it was pretty important for us to at least get a little bit of an update from Tony V and the boys. No, I mean, I'm going to say, though, like, I care more than I would have cared two or three years ago. 100%. Like, to see the news, obviously, everyone's talking about the uh, Hana guy, you know, obviously was a crazy MLB probably draft prospect, had the injuries coming back next year, probably full effect. That's going to probably be the steal of the portal. But to also land uh, the Bama transfer, who was a hometown Nashville native, Bring that guy home. That'll help us in the infield. And then now it sounds like this uh, this UConn or Cincy transfer, he's kind of probably going to be like a Stevenson or like Drew Gilbert replacement out there in the outfield probably. Play maybe both roles, obviously. Not really certain what Tennessee's going to do at first base with, you know, Blake Burke, how, where Blake Burke's going to come in. Like you said, the lineup's kind of probably going to be thin, but I still think there's a lot of power there. And I think our defense is going to be really, really good. Obviously, the story about uh, Sewell, crazy inspiring. I can't believe this guy, like, you can go into the draft and be like, no thanks after you get drafted. But to just go out there and tell people out the way, like, hey, don't even don't even try to draft me. Like, I'm not going to play baseball. I'm taking this job and not even go through the process. Like, to see his mind was, like, set on that and then have the shift to come back and play and understand, like, Tennessee, he put Tennessee first. and was like, I can't, like, kind of leave that. I want to go back and pitch and go back to college. And then he's going to do that and a full-time job. I don't know what his degree was in. I'm pretty sure you could probably research it on UT on the on the website or whatever. But to do both of those things and kind of buy in, I think it kind of saves our bullpen because you have, you know, obviously Burns and Beam coming back next year. But to have Sewell, the guy, the Gator killer, the guy that went out there in Florida, in Gainesville, put the Gators to rest, that guy, he had memories. And to see him come back and kind of buy in and be like, I can't go out like that. I have to, you know, keep playing. I have to finish my story. That's crazy inspiring, and I think that's going to play a huge, huge impact. And, you know, Tennessee baseball, like, we lost a lot of talent. Watching the draft, seeing everyone go, that was super sad. I thought maybe some guys would be like, hey, I, I know I can go back next year and, you know, improve my stock. But a lot of guys signed. Oh, it's going to obviously hurt us. And, you know, we built something dangerous in Knoxville, Tennessee. Lindsey Nelson is something dangerous. And I know next year people are going to take every kind of its and bits of what they can get from our downfall and us trying to get back to what we did last year. And if we do, like, I just I just think it's going to be even even crazier. So I'm, I'm already looking forward to that. But obviously, football only less than 30 days away. I can't wait to be at G10 with the gang, 
probably doing some pre-show stuff, maybe even post-show stuff. So that's going to be super fun. So I'm excited yeah. for that too. Yeah, no, honestly, that's. Oh, go ahead, Drew. Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you know what? You no, started you know, first. No, you I would love no, to hear what no, you guys say. No, no, no. I've already talked. You go. You go. <laughs> you. No, no, you, you go. I was just, you, I was just going to say, uh, speaking to the talent that we lost, I'm also kind of interested to see what personality our baseball team takes because a lot of our personality went out with that baseball talent that left. But mm -hmm. speaking again on uh, Griffin Merritt that came, that's coming in, he was saying something like, you know what, I heard the good and the bad stuff about Knoxville, but I went down there and saw it for myself. Absolutely love the atmosphere, love the coach, love the team. And I decided that there was nowhere else to be, nowhere else that I could be more successful than Knoxville, Tennessee. And that's like – that is a place that you want to be, not only as a baseball team, but, again, like we were talking earlier, as a football team, as basketball teams, as just an athletic department as a whole, that people see what we're doing, they see what we're building, then they want to come be a part of it because they know there's nowhere else that they can be as successful or that they want to be as successful because we got a crazy-ass fan base that will jump behind anything that you're doing at any point in time and just ride with it. So, I mean, people can hate on it from the outside, but everybody wants in at the same time too, so – Screw them if you're on the out, but we'll pull for you on the end. So, before Drew jumps in real quick, you just mentioned the personality about the baseball team and the NCAA is just trying to st strip away literally every type of fucking personality possible in the sport. Oh, so okay. I'm sure that they probably won't have as much of a glorious, in your face, we don't give a shit type of personality as they have in previous seasons, but I still think that the swag will be there as long as Tony is there. So that's all I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. It's bullshit. We can't even wear our daddy hats and cape in peace anymore. It's we fine. Just, just, just go out there and win, baby. Just go out there no, and win. No, what I want to see is – all we I, th do. I think the key to that is we counter with every other athlete, how we had our football and basketball team show for baseball season. Everyone with the fucking daddy hats and capes. If we can't wear it on the field. We're going to be behind the dugout right next to the boys getting hype wearing that, bro. Like, I fully expect the, the students I mean, of Lindsey Nelson, the legends of Lindsey Nelson, whatever they call themselves, to be out full effect with that rule. Like, we're going to have to be I'm nasty gonna, next year. I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I'm not wearing a fur coat in fucking May. Like, that's just not happening. I will support the boys. I'll wear the Diamond Vols jersey. I'm all about that, but I'm not wearing a fur coat, man. But to go back with like, oh, good pipe down, <laughs> pipe down. On Drew pipe Drew outs himself as well. Speaks live. No, no, I don't. Like, I mean, I'm fine with it. I love it, but like, I'm not going to wear it because it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be like 95 degrees, and I'll be miserable. So I don't, I don't want to go through that. I but, didn't hear Euros bitching when he wore it. I didn't yeah. either because he's a Serbian guy. Yours, I mean, also, so okay. also, first of all, Euros is a college student. So, like, when you're a college student, he's you can do a little shenanigans stuff like that. Me, as a 24-year-old working full-time, it looks kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. Just kind of like how it looks like weird 30. for, like, a 45- or 50-year-old man to wear a college jersey. But that's just my take, though, of course. <laughs> if you do that, of course, I'm not I'm not judging you. I just – these are my thoughts. Yeah. So, but to go back to the point that Brando was talking about, you know, about, you know, how it sucks about having eight or nine guys drafted. This is what we wanted, though, more than oh, anything yeah, no, else. Yeah. Like, we wanted to be a program where we're in the same level as Arkansas. We're in the same level as Florida, as Ole Miss, where we're getting seven, eight, nine guys drafted in. And I think that speaks volumes in the fact that, like, we were able to build this, like, this type of talent that at Tennessee in less than five years. I mean, we were the biggest dumpster fire in college baseball five, six years ago before Tony D came in. And the fact that we had over 10 players drafted in, I mean, like, we're going to have to win a title first. But I will say this, though. I mean, it's a lot similar in the sense of kind of like how Alabama and Georgia is in the sense that we're just going to keep on reloading talent. They might be young, but they're going to improve as the season goes. And, I mean, Tennessee, until Tony Veal leaves, is going to always be a top three, top four SEC team and a top ten college baseball team. Yeah, I was like about to counter my statement anyway because I'm going to say with your Arkansas comment, obviously Tony V helped out a lot there too with David Van Horn there. But also like with Tennessee, like seeing all those guys go and then also it's like kind of easy to forget about the 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes that Tony V is already signing of these crazy top 100 D1 prospect like baseball players that are like first, second round, third round talent and could probably get like get drafted straight out of high school next year and are probably still going to come to Tennessee. So as long as you can still do that and bring in those talent and, you know, use like the opportunities at Tennessee, hopefully the, uh, the baseball rules will get changed and kind of favor our way here soon with the scholarship kind of part. But to have that and maybe use the NIL to kind of combat guys from going to the league, 
I think that'll help a lot. Obviously, a lot of guys committed right now. Crazy, crazy talent. And that's just because of what we've done over the last one to two years, going almost back to back at Omaha. And then this year kind of just falling short. I think, you know, Tennessee baseball, I think Lindsey Nelson, regardless, is going to be nasty. I think we kind of all bought in and accepted Tennessee baseball is like a major sport for us now. And after football and after basketball, we're going to all kind of still be there. And they even said last year, even when we didn't have the talent like last year before this year's team was super, super stacked. That crowd was there, sold out every week, every SEC series, and they kind of made it nasty. And I think that's going to happen even baseball and football. You're kind of seeing like how we talked about the ticket sales this year. Lin- or Neyland Stadium, Lindsey Nelson, Tom- Thompson Boiler Arena, it's going to be nasty. Like Tennessee fans are going to show up. You get something out there to buy into, we're going to buy in and we're going to be there no matter what. And, you know, we got to support their boys. So super excited. And I think, I think that the thing is as well, like we're, we're literally just one program away from being honestly probably the best athletic department in college yeah, athletics. Nation, like, yeah. oh, I, I mean, because, you know, I mean, volleyball is doing well, women's soccer is well. I mean, you know, all other women's sports are doing great, marvelous. But baseball is doing great. Men's basketball is consistently a top 20, top 15 team. We really, I mean, honestly, the only thing we need is like, we're, we don't even need football we even to got win, some golfers, win the national championship. Golfers, yeah, whatever. But we got some looking golfers, really, though. Okay. I mean, that's cool. But <laughs> tennis is doing good. We're, Okay, yeah, I mean, great. We're we're in everything school. That's awesome. We just Rugby? need football to fucking win. All right, we just need football to win. All right, I'm like I'm not Yo. trying not be nice about. It. I'm just let's be real. That's okay. the most important sport. We gotta fucking win. I we we can't end the show without getting a Florida reference, Drew. I need your thoughts. Rivals.com, the the ranking company. Oh God, they do all the high school rankings and stuff like that. They took mm-hmm. the active rosters of this year, including the transfers of like all teams, SEC leading up. And it has Tennessee and Florida, and they're like neck and neck in talent right now, with like some looming different positions of like depth problems. Georgia or Florida's mostly on the defense. They have Tennessee like a 0.5 point favorite of talent wise. What are your thoughts on that, Drew? Going into the, you know 30 days until football, kneeling at night probably on the line against the Florida Gators against Billy Napier, Tennessee own. But what's your thoughts? I mean, it sounds about right. I mean, considering the fact that Florida's had three different head coaches in the last five years, just like us. So I'm not really necessarily surprised that the talent level is similar. And I mean, quite honestly, if we're going basing on coaching, yeah, I would say that Tennessee has the edge, I mean, over Billy Napier. And the only reason is that is because, quite on, I mean, none of us have really seen what Billy Napier can do. And I think he's going to have a really good week one test against a very, very good Utah oh, yeah. team. So he's getting I think we'll be able to. I hope so too. I hope so too. Um, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I'm not going to be spewing out my nonsense, spewing my guts all over the floor. I'm cautiously ho- optimistic, however, though. But we have seen over the years, and it doesn't matter how much talent that we have, how much more talent Tennessee has than Florida, they have found a way to be, be able to have their best game of the year against us. Will that be the case this year? I don't know. But I'm going based on We're selling that this year. So. Neyland's being sold out. The party deck's okay, going to be full. All right, first of all, all right, first of all, I never said that we're not selling out. We sell out the fucking floor. I'm, I know you didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm so saying like, you're right so, now, though. So, like, well, I'm so saying like you're right even, now. That's not, even, that's not even a topic worth discussing, okay? That's not even a topic worth discussing. I'm just saying it's going to be nasty. But it's going to be nasty there's, for there's sure. There's no reason I mean, we should win that, that football game. We should win it, yes. And exactly. we should have won a lot of games over the last 10 years against them. But I mean, we were three plays last year from being 9-3. and I mean, hell, we were three plays away from being 12-0 in 2016. That doesn't mean a fucking thing. Yeah. 7-5 last year. Guys, but I'm not I'm not looking at shoulda, woulda, coulda. I'm just yeah, looking exactly. forward. I think I think we're getting a New Year's Six Bowl. I think so, too. I think this team has the talent to be, like, in the Citrus Bowl, which would be awesome, considering we haven't been in the Citrus Bowl since 2001. But – I'm just basing off history. I have no reason to be optimistic that we're just going to go over there and stomp on Florida's throat and then throw fucking Billy Napier into the river. Like, that's just like, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, I hope it does. Oh. That'd be awesome. I'll be on yeah, the field if that's the case. Save some of this debate for the live show. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll close my Trust Florida me, thing I right think now. With the drinks flowing on the live show, it's going to be right, my mother's going to hate me. But I'll close my Florida part of this show with the fact that, uh, like, when I keep remembering that, you know, Billy Napier is from Cookville, Tennessee, and I have to think about the fact that it might be like another Steve uh, Spurrier situation of having a Tennessee native at Florida, 
and having a rivalry like that, I know the year one, like we have to assert dominance and turn this. This is the year to turn it around. If we're going to turn the rivalry around and like set our kind of path to going forward against Florida, we have to do it this year and get like on the road. Obviously, recruiting is good. But if we win this year and then Nico coming in next year and having a full kind of focus and they kind of get stuck with their process of rebuilding over there with that, we, we could, you know, get a few years ahead. So I just I think that's going to be huge next year, this year. I mean, and that's the thing for me, though. It's like, you know, I would argue that the Pitt game is the biggest game of the year this year. Right, like for Heifel's career, Florida is the biggest game, the biggest game he'll have. This Florida game in particular is the biggest one in his career because it will assert himself as the second best team in the conference if he wins it. It makes other teams like Alabama and Georgia realize, you know what, Tennessee is actually on the come up. They, they don't fall short to Florida like always. And it makes us have that an extra respect that this program desperately needs from the national media. So it's a must-win game. Will we win it? I'm just judging off history, probably not. But I'm hope I'm wrong though. I hope I'm wrong. Alex, any hey, I I mean honestly, Drew makes a good point though. I, I feel like Pitt and Florida do help set the tone for the rest of the season. And how we perform in those games will be very telling for how we perform against the rest of the competition on the way out. But I mean Honestly, like I'm just anxious to get this shit started. <laughs> like oh, y'all yeah. said, we we less than 30 days away. Um, it, it feels like we already in Neyland Stadium right now with with how much excitement surrounding this. I mean, we we really talking about how fast people run in and practice and are getting so excited. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm just I'm ready for the season to get started. Definitely ready for the live show that is August oh, yeah. 19th, seven o'clock at the Skybox in Knoxville. Everybody come out for that. It's going to be fun. We got Juice Davis and Troy Fleming coming out. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, 7 to 8.30, got a little meet and greet afterwards, but excited for that, excited for the season, just excited for it all, man, honestly. Absolutely, and I like it. Heartbreaks, headaches, hangovers, all of it. I don't know. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it all. Um, Yeah, Skybox, that's 16 days away. We are so excited. Um, Like I mentioned earlier in the show, Look out for our Twitter account because it's about to be popping off with punishment suggestions for the loser at the end of the season. And we are also – you're going to see some new looks from us coming up soon. Oh, and yeah. new opportunities, sponsorship opportunities, probably new merch. Um, we're kind of revamping everything. We've been working on that on the side. So just ready to roll out into football season with a bang and – also, Drew, are you going tomorrow? Yes, I will be there. Okay. So if you guys are bored and want to listen to Drew and I, we'll be on overtime tomorrow with Fox Sports Knoxville, a.k.a. Fanon Radio. Um, so you can catch us there tomorrow as well. Then I guess that's everything. For one, one more thing to add to the punishments, as funny and creative as possible but keep them legal and non-fireable offenses. Um, some of us have jobs. Some of us are in school. So just keep that in All mind. All of us have that, jobs. That we All can actually get in jobs. trouble. Let us we are hardworking American us. citizens. <laughs> we are law-abiding citizens, and we want to keep it that way. Um, so, yes, funny and creative. Yeah. Keep them legal and non-fireable offenses. It's getting darker for Drew right now than it is in Alex's room. True. So I'll close it out with that. I'm super excited for the live show, August 19th. Obviously, super looking forward to it, driving out to Knoxville, Skybox Bar and Grill, celebrating his birthday. So going to be meeting everybody for the first time. That's going to be super exciting, too. Super excited about that. And then when we get there, it'll only be 11 days, no, 12 days until football. So not even two weeks from that, I'll be back in Knoxville again for Ball State, where I'm sure we'll all link up. Maybe probably Alex will be in Miami, but all we'll excited see. for that. We'll yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see. We're going to see. So super excited for that. Obviously, and I just just looking forward to it. So, look out for everything on the Twitter and the Instagrams and all that, and stay tuned. Yeah, no, another great show. Um, I think Skybox in a couple of weeks is about to be as lit as this fucking thunderstorm that I'm about to be in the middle of here. So, I got the umbrella flying everywhere at the very moment. So, we're a little bit concerning at the sorrows. moment, but uh, but we're gonna be good. We're gonna be drowned stars. We're gonna be hungover after that uh Skybox live kickoff <laughs> show, no doubt about it. And uh. Yeah, and it's going to be lit tomorrow on Fan Run Radio, so definitely tune in on that. Hey, if you ain't hungover after the live show, you did it wrong. That's all I'm saying. 
Accurate. All right, guys, I'm getting out of here. It's like, it's, I can't even see. Oh, like oh, oh, my God. In this, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's what I'm got to get out of here. Wrap it up. Look, wrap it up. All right. All right. You guys heard it. We've talked about the live show. We've talked about the new stuff. We've talked about 2019. And we will see you guys right back here next week. Until then, good night. Oh, hey. Oh my God! <laughs> Brando, uh, the, um, the umbrella, the umbrella has has not gone. the tornadoes. Was true. We've already been through enough tornadoes. <laughs> oh my God! What a disaster! All right, I'm out of here. <laughs>